And now, an excerpt from Saphir Goldwater's upcoming text, A Brief Investigation of Rixian Language and Syntax, 3rd Edition. Makers speak, and today's regionalizations descended from what linguistic scholars call lingua prima, the first language mortals formed after the gods left the world. The earliest form of makerspeak was like many of the world's early languages in that it was said to have arcane power. This allowed engineers to create great works that lasted centuries and pioneer design principles still used today. Many mortal languages have evolved and died out, but makerspeak stands as one of the few that remain significantly unchanged. Though it no longer has latent power, the three identified regional dialects of Makerspeak, East, West, and South, still offer a semi-unified, nuanced way for creators and merchants alike to discuss their work. Those that speak one dialect fluently are largely able to understand the other two, but skilled artisans and salesfolk insist much of the technical nuance required for their work is found in these small differences. In fact, great masters claim a piece translated across different dialects will actually be slightly distinct. Editor's Note Goldwater's work is slated for release next year. Be sure to ask your local scribomancer or librarian for a copy. Why, hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to another episode of Reckless Attack, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. I am your Dungeon Master Nathan, sitting around the table with the excellent, excellent players here at Reckless Attack, starting with to my right... Hello, everyone. My name is Steve, and I am playing Selv Asterlin, the Dragonborn Monk, who's... uh, like mission accomplished, right, guys? Yeah, we're, we did it. We, we much, did it. We're done. Pretty much done. You might as well just we're be, be back Pack and, and go. I'll yeah. just uh, I'll just move myself to level twenty, and we'll call it a day. Yeah. Well, let's not you know let's not jump but, too uh, far ahead. But, but while I do that, to my right, hi everyone. I'm David, and I play the newly level twenty Casgrain Brightmane. <laughs> Check out all my sweet abilities at D and D Beyond. <laughs> now, right now, right, right Nathan. Of the coast. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I mean, look. Was it a very good plug? Yes. <laughs> was it just charismatic enough for me to pause for a moment and be like, I could. What if I did? But also, does my natural desire for Dungeon Master cruelty and pain force me to be like, no, you don't get the thing. No. You Un- unfortunately for you, yes, that overrides all. And to my right. <laughs> that sets the tone very well because I am Jonathan and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and his trusty frog pals, Mango and Junior. And unlike the rest of the party, Checkers is actually just kind of bummed because he was super hyped to be here and have to fight a screaming undead centurion. And now he just sees that it's taking a nap and it's just like, hey, hey, get up. Like, what, what are you doing? Do you want to fight though <laughs> yeah, really quick? Yeah. Like, right. it with a stick, do you, something. How, yeah. loud, how loud would you say you are? How, how much screaming do you enjoy doing? There's like, uh, everyone can see Checker just like 
internally beginning to prepare and just like to yell at this thing and they're like no don't please stop <laughs> <laughs> so that's where that's the level of energy the checkers is at <laughs> but to my right hi everybody i'm sophie and i play valeska carter the human asterisk cleric of the arcana domain and she is the one actively telling checkers to not <laughs> just, just stop just just to be clear so, as alluded to, there was some very interesting developments. The party, once again, is outside the Red City of Agmar and are on a rescue mission. They were tasked to try and get the missing members of the undead guard, the Bones, who had just disappeared from their watch and might be untethered. They successfully slew, maybe, question mark, the creature that had done this to them and managed to subdue one of them using a pair of shackles that the Bones had given them and knew that they had one more out there that was unaccounted for. After some searching, after some walking, you found the creature. There was a lot of, uh, of careful prodding and poking and, and frog sending at it, but eventually you guys approached the cave that it was taking refuge in. You saw that it was clasping its hand over where its kind of control, uh, I don't remember what I, I keep call, wanting to call it a bracelet, but yeah. that, that uh, feels- Armband? Arm yeah, armband. Armband is probably just a good catch-all. And you guys all convened on the cavern mouth entrance. And instead of jumping out and trying to rip you limb from limb, all it said was, oh, Thank the gods. And so, that is where we re-enter our scene. There is a Selve, there is a Kaskrin, and there is a Checkers. I don't remember if Mango is up there. Yeah, Mango and I are up in a tree, like, close by to the mouth of the cave. And okay. we're, like, ready to, like, trap this thing when it comes charging out. But that's not happening. No, unfortunately. Quite the opposite, in fact. So, all three of you would see this, and Checkers, you had seen it through the eyes of Junior previously. This full armor-clad undead creature is just laying there totally prone, slightly propped up, and just like a vice grip on its arm, again, where this armband is, and is laying otherwise absolutely still. And you just hear this kind of tinny voice, almost like echoey from inside the armor, in a different timber than a lot of the other bones that you've heard. It says... Thank the gods you're here. I wasn't sure how much longer I would be able to, to hold on. But who who are you? We are from the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild. Your companion sent us out here to find you. Are you, um... In control? There is a pause for a moment. And the member of the bones, again, doesn't look at you, isn't moving and says yes I am in control for now I have been able to maintain my control at great cost but I assume that that means that you have encountered others who were not so what you're saying is there's a chance you could lose control right are you in the cave now I, I Probably just like from outside the mouth of the cave, <laughs> hearing Selv trying to talk to this thing. Got Echoes that. Is like, <laughs> got that fifteen yeah. passive perception. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, Selv. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> uh, at conversation, Val will move into the cave. Soldier, what's your name? 
I am the pious. The pious. You said you were able to maintain control at great cost. What did you mean? I don't know how much you are familiar with us and our level of control. In a battle against a strange creature uh, made of fire and smoke and anger, I was injured. My band was snapped, uh, or tried to snap at it. I managed to just stay out of the way, uh, but it was damaged. I was told to run away, and so I did. But I was leaking the whatever magics are required to keep our sanity, to keep our personality, our individuality. But I kept moving, and I found this place, and uh, I collapsed. I am unable to move. I am using all of my energy to try and maintain control. I found this strange rope here. I have been able to siphon some of the magic from it to ensure that I have the reserves required to stay conscious. Have you encountered any of the other members of the Bones, any of the other patrol, or have you encountered the creature? Yeah, we got your friend right here. And I'll, like, point at the other untethered... Well, tethered now. I'll point at the tethered that we've brought. We believe this is the stone. Or... No, the stone is the one yeah, we have the in... Okay. Yeah. Yes. The... I wrote in custody on my notes, <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's the one in handcuffs, yeah. clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he says, ah... Oh, Yes, I see you have used the manacles upon them. This is good. Yes, fortunately we were able to capture him at the very least. And the others? The stone is back at headquarters, and the smoke creature, we believe, we dispatched. That is very impressive. I have to ask, was there only one smoke creature that you encountered? That I encountered, yes. We were on our normal patrol several days ago, and it came out, it ambushed us, it made strange discordant sounds, and it moved in ways that I couldn't understand, and was overwhelming as soon as it broke the bond of one of us. So Kaskrin is also getting a little bit closer to the pious as we're talking. Val will also get closer and start to examine the rope to see what they mean by siphoning magical energy off of it, Mm -hmm. and also start kind of giving a once-over to the stone and seeing, like, what's... No, friggin' the pious. (laughs) I know, now we've messed ourselves up. Um, Yeah, to just kind of, like, almost doing, like, a medical check, but basically Mm -hmm. an arcana-based one. Yeah, I think that is totally reasonable. Maybe this will help. Um, The stone is at home. (laughs) (laughs) The the seeker is meeker. Ah. And the pious... Is present. Is present. (laughs) (laughs) The pious is prone. Oh, hey. There we go. Kaskrin is also going to try to keep the pious talking as he's laying on this rope. See, it worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember it perfectly. But like, he's treating him yeah, like a like that. an injured soldier, someone he's trying to keep conscious. Mm-hmm. Love that. You both, with your background and your kind of natural charisma, have no problem just like 
continue, you know, just like banter. You know, even yeah. if you're not really saying anything, right. you're still getting like, calls. Tell me about your family. Yeah. Tell me about your son. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. Tell whatever, me about your mother. Whatever yeah. the undead centurion equivalent <laughs> yeah. of, of soldier small talk is, I am very fine with Cass just being able to, like, slip into that. No problem. Perfect. So, yes, give me an arcana check. Guidance. Yep, seems good. With inspiration from last time. Ooh, okay, oh, you're, wow. really, nice. you're yeah. really doing it. Awesome. And I will I will say that this is fine to both examine them and take kind of a glance at whatever rope that he is kind of laying on. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Tw- Hot roll. 23. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So you can see the hand of the pious is just, you know, kind of on the bicep of his arm. And it appears as if it is squeezing so hard that the metal is almost bent in like a clamp around it. Mm. Um, and so you can't even see quite where a band, like where there's missing pieces or something like that, mm-hmm. but you're able to suss out like there must be a break or a snap or something like that. Mm-hmm. Checkers, obviously you found mm-hmm. some bits yep. that it is trying to hold in. The other thing is you see you're examining it and you're examining the rope and it actually seems as though the the pious was able to kind of like almost latch it around their shoulder, Mm -hmm. you know, to like let it just sit on them and kind of hold on there. And as you're looking at it, what strikes you is that it appears to be just a normal, you know, maybe hempen or something rope. Mm -hmm. But if it was sitting in this cave, there's no way it should look as good as this does. Right. Uh, Especially if it was just found here. Mm -hmm. Um, So either someone left it here very recently or it is magical. And the pious is obviously telling you that like, ah, this is a magical thing. Mm-hmm. But that's what you pick up is like, oh, okay. So like it is a, it is definitely not just a magical rope, but it appears to be woven in some way. And it's kind of hard to tell with the pious laying on it, mm-hmm. but it appears to be in some sort of like woven pattern of rope and not just like a coil. Gotcha. Does it look like something we would be able to further wrap around his hand and arm in order to basically tie them on to kind of like a, an additional layer mm-hmm. of protection. Yeah, I think you'd have to move him around a little bit to get like a full sussing because I'm imagining Val is approaching this as kind of a, a medical professional would mm-hmm. where you're like trying not to move him too much. And, oh, you know, yeah, it's like EMTs were assuming yeah. they're parallel, like they had a neck injury. We're not <laughs> yeah. moving them at all. Yeah, exactly. Thing. So you'd have to you'd have to do it. But you would imagine that like based off of what you can see is that that securing it would both be possible and probably not a bad idea. You know, the more contact you can have, the more security you can have, probably the better. All right. So then Sel uh, will start kind of moving the extra lengths of rope. Time out. No way. Yeah. <laughs> we have to talk through this with the person. Tell them what we're doing. You don't just start doing it. Doing the EMT. <laughs> yes. Um, before Val lets you know it's magical rope, she will actually turn and whisper to checkers or cast mind link mm-hmm. to checkers and yeah. say, so this rope is magical. Oh. Can you explore the rest of the cave to figure out why there's magical rope here? Uh, yeah, sure. Give me a second. Okay. Um, so checkers would have been kind of outside of the mouth of the cave, just one sulking, but two, uh, <laughs> just keeping hey, a, checkers is magical rope. Keeping a lookout around the rest of the cave to make sure no one snakes up on us. But as soon as there's a mention of one rope, but two, it's magical. He just perks right up and is like, "Oh, you want me to explore the rest of the cave? Cool." 
So Checkers is going to spend some time while they're doing this examination to survey the rest of the cave and see if there's anything else interesting in here. Excellent. Like, and do you have dark vision? I do not, but Mango does. And I will probably just be using a torch or asking cool. for some light, please. Oh, yeah. I will cast a uh, light on your tricorn. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see anything. <laughs> no, it's like a headlamp. Yeah. <laughs> wow. My, my hat feels lighter. Yeah. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> Yeah, so as that's all happening, Kaskrin is still next to the bones as well, kind of helping Velasca maybe mm-hmm. move him or gingerly uh, adjust him as needed. Not moving him. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to help uh, Velasca as needed. I'm yeah. a second pair of hands. <laughs> yep, good way. I, I will do what Val tells me yeah, to right. do. Yeah, right, yeah. I am not touching this thing, but we're, we're chatting. I've got the bedside manner. Yeah, yeah exactly. And we, should, we should use the rope to secure his hand to the arm mm-hmm. and then figure out how to move them. Mm-hmm. So Val will now like start talking to the pious, be like, okay, we do need to get you back to Agmar. Self makes a good point that we should loop this rope around you and specifically around your armband. By the way, hi, I'm Val. Um, apologies, I just went into solution mode. That is quite all right. I appreciate you. So is it okay if we roll you to your side while we loop this around your armband and your hand holding it. Of course. Feel free. I am able to maintain control without the rope attached. It is, uh, think of it as, hmm, the medieval fantasy version of a battery. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that is in our fiction. energy well. Exactly. I will be able to maintain control without it for a limited amount of time, but more than enough time. You will not harm me should you move me. And I can tell you, my grip will remain quite tight. Please do whatever you must. And you said you're not able to move while maintaining control, correct? Correct. Because of the amount of energy that it is taking me to hold the magical energy inside of me, I am not able to move. And, well, usually when we are accompanying mortals outside the walls, uh, we can serve as effective guides and guards, we project a certain aura that keeps many monsters away from us and certainly many animals. And also, we have an ability to know where we are at all times in relation to the Red City. I am unable to do both in my current state. And I do not believe that the Seeker will be of much assistance in either regard at the moment. So when we do move, I will be able to provide one of those two, but not both. That's okay. We'll be able to figure it out. All your focus should just be on that armband. Uh, checkers. So checkers, I'm not even going to make you roll for it because okay. it's pretty much... Well, actually... Hmm, no. What if there's secrets in this cave? Because yeah. you have you have a high enough passive perception. Sure. And it's just... It is a one-way one yeah. cave. It goes in quite a ways. Uh, not a... We'll say... Not a narratively dangerous amount of ways, but it's it's pretty far back. As you go mm-hmm. at the end of this cave, mm-hmm. you see what appears to be just kind of a normal, not quite a puddle, but uh, you know, water a collection of water. Right, a pool. <laughs> you get a pool, a, a pool of water. Yeah. I think that's a that's a good non diminutive <laughs> version of puddle, uh-huh. and it seems to be very shallow. And the reason that you know that it is very shallow is in the middle of it. 
is a skeleton. Oh, <laughs> nice. And it seems to be in repose, where it is laying perfectly flat with its arms crossed over it. It does not seem to be wearing anything. There's no armor. There's no clothing. There's no symbols. It appears to just be a skeleton in the middle of this strange puddle. So Checkers is going to, like, see this, and you can just see his, like, face light up. (laughs) He's like, oh, I found this cool thing. And he almost starts to, like, jump into the middle of the pool before thinking better of it and being like, "Ah, I guess everyone's going to want to see this. Fine. So (laughs) uh, is there anything else in this area that uh, would immediately capture his attention, or can I just, like, start walking back? Yeah, I think that would be the thing. I am shocked that he stopped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, me too. You know, the the two the few levels he's been adventuring with you guys have yeah. really uh really influenced. The small him. amount of self control is just like really taking over right now. Right. Um but I'm gonna walk back and just kind of see everyone starting to get the pious ready for travel. And hey, Val, uh self, Casper, you're gonna want to see this. There's like some spooky dead guy in the back. It's not a spooky dead guy that we've seen before, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh is, is it a Alive dead guy. Ah, dead dead guy. Right. I thought you were going to say, like, you see a skeleton. He's clutching his arm. (laughs) I found another one. It's not moving, if that's what you're asking. That's unusual, but good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can stay with the pious. Why don't you guys go check it out? Yeah. Val will head over to the pool. Okay. So, Checkers leads you back down, Mm -hmm. and you see exactly what he saw. Again, there is a... A skeleton right in the middle of this pool. It's not really raised. It is just like an inch of water kind of covering up the back of its like skeleton and spine and that sort of thing. But very clearly you see. So the skeleton is not submerged. Not all the way. No, it is. It is poking out of the water. That's how Checkers knew that it was like, well, it can't be very can't be very deep because Mm -hmm. I see most of a skeleton. (laughs) Does Val know of any like any cultures that like this is their funeral, right? Yeah. Give me give me a roll. Guidance for religion? Yeah. 14. Not that you're aware of. Um, I'll put it this way. Not that you're aware of in this region, okay. you know, um, of someone who would have died here as potentially long ago as this. But, yeah, it doesn't doesn't ring any particular bells. So. Gotcha. And one thing Checkers might have done actually before even coming back, would he would, would have stuck a finger into the water and, like, tasted it real fast. Oh, that's what I was <laughs> afraid of. Uh Roll me a constitution saving throw. That's going to be a nine. Uh, before. <laughs> so and, and so Checkers actually didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and and don't change any of your fiction around this, but you guys deep into the cave before Checkers comes back, just hear Checkers go, bah, bah. <laughs> just, go just, just a little dies. bit. And that's when I think, ah, oh, I should go get everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and you hear that, but again, nothing else happens. It just tastes very old and gross. Uh, and he, he gags a little, but audibly. <laughs> At least it doesn't taste like it dissolved a person. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, right, exactly. If it doesn't seem like there's anything obvious that is dangerous at this point, I'll I'll just actually go jump over to the corpse Mm -hmm. and uh, just start Um, poking at it. I will check for traps before he does that. (laughs) Cool, good. I I was going to take my my spear and just maybe poke around it or underneath it and just kind of see what's going on there. Since you have clear plans of action, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it just appears as it is laying there. Um, you don't need to make any any rolls or anything because you're doing pokes and, and, and <laughs> yeah. I guess, jumps. Yeah. Physically jumping Prods. to the corpse. Yeah. Right, exactly. And the water 
this is going to sound stupid, but we're in a fantasy world. The water behaves as you would assume <laughs> water would behave. I appreciate that clarification. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't. It's not trying to get out of the way of the spear. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's one of those where it's like, well, you know, I could find a nice descriptive way to say it. But also it's like it's uh, it does water things. So it sounds like all three of you are kind of a, have approached. Yes. The Skellington. Um, roll for initiative. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I, I take a look around, just like, you know, ceiling, walls, see if there's anything that would have left a skeleton here. <laughs> yeah. And again, with uh, with both kind of checkers and self, it really is like, what's a good way to say it? It is not startlingly, but like surprisingly unspooky. It is unspooky <laughs> as a cave can be of like, truly, it is just this weird little alcove. And there's no weird nooks or crannies or stalagmites that might fall on top of you or anything. It is just kind of like, you know, it kind of just opens up into this weird collection of, of water. So what are you doing? What are you doing to the, the skelly, skelly boy other than the, the pokes? I'm, I'm just going to poke at skull. Val will not touch the skeleton like just kind of respecting a burial site kind of thing. <laughs> there's enough touching going on yeah, yeah. we got a, we got a whole another skeleton to touch yeah, so. yeah. We, uh, it doesn't look like there's that much more here we should get back because mm-hmm. we're losing daylight so the only other thing is that i will note is that uh it is a seems to be a perfectly preserved skeleton mm. um where all the everything is intact it is as it should be. The only thing that you guys would see, and I wouldn't make you have a role for it, um, is that several of its ribs are not are, are broken and, you know, like off, basically, and just kind of laying in the rib cage. I'm going to pick up a Sophie's piece. Sophie's going to ask Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to pick up a piece of mm-hmm. the rib and just, like, put my little frog hand in the rib cage and just pick out a piece and be like, oh, God, cool. could you imagine if, like, then the thing scene happened yeah. where it just, like, it all just, like, chomps on your hand? <laughs> We're going to spend this whole episode investigating another <laughs> skeleton. <laughs> not the one I came from. Unaffiliated yeah. skeleton. While everyone's doing this stuff, yeah, we'll start ritually casting Detect Magic. As you cast that, you kind of, I imagine scan around the room and that sort of thing the only thing that you see is magical in here is the skeleton which the skeleton, skeleton <laughs> in the pool yes. is magic what type of magic let me let me tell you that i'm guessing necromancy yeah it is it is necromancy magic Val's going to take out her map of the world uh or this region mm-hmm. and just put a little note on it Magic skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna add that back to the map in the, yeah. in the yeah, map room. Yeah, absolutely. Cor- exactly. Like we found a magic. When skeleton. Val gets identified, we're just gonna pop back here and be like, "What's up with yeah. this?" We can only carry one magic skeleton at a yeah. time. Though, right? <laughs> yeah. Is there a spell or a ritual? Sophie wants to know: mm-hmm. Is this an up and coming lich, like part of somebody roll, doing roll bad me in our Arcana check? It would, it would be it's a it would be a very hard if it was that it would be very high dc she's but, like is it a is it this is a bad thing about yeah, to happen right exactly uh 19 so your best guess is no and you feel pretty good about that or if it is then it's like if it is something worse we should leave now because <laughs> if it's worse than i'm aware of and if it's that obscure we are in out of our depth and we need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the vibe you get. Okay. But your your best intuition and your best kind of guess is like, something's happening here, but I don't think it's anything we need to worry about right this second. 
And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The empire of fire and water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Hello everyone, GM Nathan here, and welcome once more to the mid-roll. This is where I remind you to follow us on all the social medias, particularly on Twitter at Reckless underscore Attack, where we are posting a variety of frogs and memes and frog memes and meme frogs. You can find all our socials by visiting our website at RecklessAttack.com and much more. If you like us, consider supporting us on Patreon. It's one of the best ways to help us grow and improve the show. Early ad-free episodes, level-up talkbacks, and oodles of other stuff await you there at a variety of tiers. Lastly, don't forget to tell a friend if you're enjoying the show, or let us know by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. That's all for me. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I was also going to ask Valeska, is there anything you would have wanted Casquin to do in preparation to, as everyone's investigating? like Start figuring out how, how to if move. you're going to carry it or if yeah. Mango's going to... Okay. I want to like sit him up and basically take the rope and like wrap it around him. Kind of like across the chest, like two sashes basically, and just wrap this rope around his torso. So, Casquin, because no one else was, you know, you, you guys poked and prodded a little bit. So what? But now that you are yeah, really like interacting in with yeah. it, uh, you see that this is actually not just a not just a rope, obviously, but is what appears to actually be a net. Huh. Okay. That is had been piled up underneath it, and again, in a way that like you couldn't tell what it was because there was an undead person laying on it, and it was even a little bit buried, probably. But yeah, as you're kind of messing around with it, you see like ah, the weaving is some sort of a a, a net of some sort. Okay, yeah, so then I would, like, bunch it up, make it, like, kind of a, a longer thing, and just, like, tie it around him, like, just a single sash. Mm-hmm. And then when you guys come back, he would be sat upright on the edge of the, the cave wall, you know, clutching his armband, ready to, to move, basically. Alrighty, let's yeah. go. How <laughs> do we move so, the pious? I guess, how heavy is he? Can I carry him? Please, I was just about to say, please, Casper, give him a piggyback, right? So. Yeah, right. Like, can I? Can I? Like, well, yeah. so you have your un, your unencumbered feature, right? Yes. <gasps> Sorry, the net. You can make like a little 
baby Bjorn. <laughs> that is boy. That I was I was imagining. Okay, so that that is what Velasca has told Kaskrin to do. And so when you come back, it's canon. It is yeah, that was there, Val's there choice. Is, there not is like a baby, not on the front because that'll be he's yeah, too big. Yeah. Like, but like you know, like the backpacks you can put yeah, dogs yeah. in. So he, but like the net. He is like in the fetal position and then he, Kaskrin has the net wrapped around his torso and tied in at the front. And you can see the pious's head is poking out <laughs> above his head like a normal human height and his arms are wrapped around Kaskrin's, uh, they're, they're draped over Kaskrin's shoulders. Well, but I like, he'd, he'd still be, well, he'd still yeah, be but I like, I like the idea oh, yeah, of yeah. like Kaskrin, like it's a natural like neck band for Kaskrin and like he just has to like awkwardly slightly choke himself for the next (laughs) couple of hours while the pious has like a vice grip on his arm (laughs) hey guys I'm ready to go (laughs) Uh, and and again it is it is very heavy Um, it is I would say this is is gonna be a weird way to put it it is it is a little heavier than you'd expect okay because I'm the dwarf I get to lift the heavy stuff okay cool got it yeah exactly I was also going to say, like, he could ride on Mango if we can convince Checkers, but you already have him in a backpack. So. I was also imagining, like, you could use the net as, like, like just drag, drag him, him behind, yeah. too, if you needed to. But, <laughs> nope, it's undead baby Bjorn. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's what, that's, that is canonically what Val told Kaskarin to do. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Selv, upon seeing all of this, <laughs> just says and points, <gasps> points at Cass, can we do that? And then points over at the Seeker. Yes. On them. The Seeker could carry so the Seeker, the, the Seeker would carry the pious and, because the, the Seeker would be uh, Bone presumably. Stack. Yeah. Bone stack. <laughs> Kaskrin is like, uh, and then like, like squats down and starts undoing the, the net. Right? He's been like standing here struggling under the pious's weight and it's just like, Oh, well, wait. you forget about neutralized bone centurion when yeah. he doesn't do anything. Yeah, he's uh, as, as as bad as I am about forgetting NPCs existing with you guys. This is a nice, easy NPC for me because it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, he's not up to a lot. Yeah. And so, like, you know, we'll remember like you, you guys would fucking dragon him. Whatever. It's fine. You get it. <laughs> is the uh, the seeker able to carry him without like, would he have the, the conscious mind to be able to like carry this guy. yeah it's almost a weird reflex is kind of how i'm imagining it where where it just adjusts to the new weight seemingly with no thought you know it just you place it on it and it kind of squats down a little bit it now seems to be carrying the pious as effortlessly as it would be standing okay great so that's that's <laughs> the plan bone stack bone stack. good thinking self just uh to clarify does the shackled seeker radiate any of the uncomfortableness so steve i'm glad you asked so here's how we are going to handle you guys getting back to the city we are going to use a lovely little supplement uh from the DD from our little corner of the DD world campfire by abyssal brews uh check out everybody abyssal brews it's at i think it's just at abyssal brews on twitter they have a website they have a patreon they have all kinds of great stuff they regularly make awesome magical items with some of the best magic item art i think in the business uh please go check them out but we are using an elegant travel system for the world's greatest role-playing game campfire uh essentially it is a nice framework for a skills challenge which of course we have done many times here before on our show use an ability check Does it go well? Great. Success, fail, blah, blah, blah. But 
we are going to do a little little campfire skills challenge to get back to Agmar. Cool. Nice. So, first of all, we will, just for the sake of those listening at home who might be interested in this system and might want to just see the the structure a bit, first, we set our travel DC. So, that is, first, we look at the difficulty of the terrain. I would say we are in somewhere between moderately difficult and difficult, so I'm going to set it at an 11 base DC. And then the weather modifier is, it's pretty nice. So I'm going to say, even though it's outside, so I'm just going to give it a 2. So that is a DC 13, easy peasy. And I'm going to say that you have to hit 5 successes before you hit 5 failures. Okay. Each of you will get to do a thing, and then someone will decide what the final thing is, basically. However, there is one little wrinkle. The pious is able to help. Uh, being conscious, no. normally it would help a lot, obviously, having a member of the Bones. Like, the Fortunate was able to really get you guys going where you wanted to go quickly and safely. For the Pious, you can choose quicker or safer. So, quicker, you have one fewer success required. Safer, the DC is a little bit lower. So, the um, the Seeker does not radiate any kind of so to answer the actual question that you asked (laughs) (laughs) so there is a kind of like a a a baby version of the aura where you can you know when you're walking around with them the small little squirrels and stuff stay away from you and you feel a little in ill at ease but when you're walking with the fortunate it's like this is mildly terrible i don't like this at all (laughs) it's fine I can put up with it, but like it's not like it, there was a marked difference in how uncomfortable you were standing next to the fortunate than you are standing next to either of these two. And so the decision point for the pious is, are they using their unerring ability to know where they are and how to get back home? Or are they making sure that no one within reason, no one attacks you guys? So my thought is we are not in great shape to handle a bunch of combats. Right. So my initial reaction is to have the pious radiate the aura that will keep the stuff away from us. How much time do we have? Where's the sun in the sky? So it's, you know that you will be cutting it really close. You have, and I'm, I'm not going to accidentally contradict four episodes ago, Nathan, (laughs) and say the exact hours. But essentially how it times out is you will probably, at this point, arrive back at Agmar-ish around sundown in optimal conditions. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And, you know, none of these are super optimal conditions, but it's better than spending the night outside the walls, um, which is a possibility. If things go truly catastrophically wrong and you are thrown off by hours... Traveling in the dark is, you would know, not ideal. What do we need the magically optimal path from the pious in order to make it back in time? I would say they're kind of like two sides of the same coin in okay. a way, where like it would help, but that that leaves you open to attacks and those sorts of distractions, whereas it radiating the aura doesn't necessarily make it so you have the perfectly optimal path but you're much less likely to have a monster or an animal or something come across you and try to attack you okay let's do this yeah we're burning daylight guys let's move okay 
So again, this does not need to be an initiative order or anything like that. Um, it can be super streamlined as just like, here's kind of how I would like to contribute during our couple hours, or I can imagine a scenario like this, and here is how I would like to solve this with one of my skills. Um, and you don't need to spend any spells or resources or whatever. We will all go around. I want to make sure everyone gets at least one chance to roll everything, and then you guys can decide who takes the final roll. Uh, so I looked up what insight really does. <laughs> it's, always, it's always a little opaque. Yeah. Well, it says you can read people or a situation. Mm-hmm. Kind of trust your gut feeling. So Val would like to, as we are walking through the forest, really take in the environment and also, like, I don't know what's in these woods. Could be traps, like Checker said previously. Yeah. <laughs> so she's, trying to, she's trying to read the situation as she's walking. Yeah, and I'm also imagining where, like, you just had that, like, magical experience, right, of, like, wayfinding. Mm-hmm. And, like, trying to kind of, like, get back into that same state of, like, okay, cool. Like, we're, we're, we're trusting our gut. We're, we're trying to retrace steps, all that stuff. That yeah. sounds great to me. Mm-hmm. Give me a roll. Guidance? No. No. Gotta try. Gotta try. Because uh, I'm imagining this is kind of like over the course yeah, of a span fair. of time, you know? Mm-hmm. 18. Ooh, that's a success. So as we're we're leaving this cave, I imagine we took a, a different path to exit than the one that we got here. Because when we got here, it was like we're, we're yeah. taking this winding path. And so I'm imagining we're kind of... In this hilly terrain, and as we're leaving, there's a section of it that's just, like, it's a little too steep. There's too many, like, broken rocks, and it would make travel very difficult. Basically, Mm -hmm. it's difficult terrain. Mm -hmm. And so, in order to make the path a little bit smoother for the Seeker, I'm going to cast Mold Earth to make a path turning this difficult terrain into normal terrain. Cool. What are you, what skill are you using? Uh, Arcana. I'm just imagining like a, a rock ramp, like a little rock slide. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and I think I, I love that you pointed that out, David. I think that will be a, an important part of it is that the seeker seeker is able to handle terrain a little bit better than a mindless individual should uh, just out of weird instinct. But doing things like that will really help keep the pace right. for sure. Twelve. Okay. That's a success. Nice. Hey. So one thing that Checkers is going to do is he's actually going to go outside the range of this protective aura and start to find some animals. And what he's going to do is he's going to start speaking with them to try and understand where some of the hidden animal trails might be. Just some of those like shortcuts that the animals around here would be love aware that. of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to use animal handling. I love it. Perfect. And I have advantage on this. So because I'm just good with animals. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That's going to be a 13, though. Okay, that's oh. another success. Again. Ugh, is, success, yes. Uh, it is okay, a good, well, they were at a low roll. They were, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a low roll. Again, yeah. another another time where you guys reducing the DC made a difference. Right call. Yeah. Also, so far, so good. Um, okay, Steve. <sighs> <laughs> that's the confidence yeah, that, that you really <laughs> want going yeah. in. Feels good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what I think Selv is going to do is kind of keep a lookout for maybe some some landmarks that they had seen mm-hmm. coming in to indicate that they are indeed at least going in the right general direction. And so in order to do that, and actually this uh, I, I don't know which one to use, if that would be a perception check mm-hmm. or a survival check. Mm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say either are fine. 
All right, so I will I will make a perception roll to kind of pick our our best path going forward. Fifteen on the die for a total of twenty. Uh, nice. nice, absolutely, guys. That is the first round, and you already have four successes. <laughs> hey. hey, so this is going very well. Is there anyone who would like to trust themselves to maybe? So again, you guys have been going going well. Travel has been going exceptionally well like you guys are really just like and this is of course over the course of many hours right that you guys are walking and trekking um but so, you guys are wrong this is going to right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and again it is uncomfortable not just because it's been a fucking long day and you've already traveled for several hours in these woods but also you're still in this horrible aura that is not wasn't fun the first time and is less fun now uh but it seems to be making things a little easier you're able to keep your wits about you able to see potentially problematic environmental things before you know before you get to them go around them that kind of stuff so who would like to make the maybe knock on wood (laughs) last roll of the skill challenge i vote steve Steve rolled the highest i think right by a lot lot. yeah so (laughs) no one uh, rolled super well yeah okay um so self will 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 basically make a survival roll to get directions his direction his his uh, mm-hmm. uh orientation back to Agmar. Okay. I imagine too like as we've been traveling, you know, we've been going for a long time. Now the sun is setting. It's starting to get really dark, and so self is out in front trying to navigate this path in like almost, you know, pitch darkness with the, the torches. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I I also imagine if uh Val could cast light on Selv's staff that yeah. could kind of give us a, a nice lit area. Perfect. Give me a roll. All right. Here's the roll for survival. That's an 11 on the die with a plus five. Hey! So 16 total. Nice. All right. Uh, well, you, have, you guys have successfully navigated your way back to the city of Akmar. Now, to see a little bit of detail as to how, obviously, it went very well, um, again, in the same way that like when you guys came with the fortunate, it was easy nothing bad happened i just i just imagine us like you know we we see agmar there's there's the gate we're like you know a couple hundred feet away and then checkers is just like i don't see what all the big deal was about (laughs) easy yeah okay so now you guys get to roll on the windfall table and these are going to be a little modified than kind of the bog standard ones as written uh, especially because this supplement is supposed to be for like days of travel as opposed Mm -hmm. to like a couple hours of travel but like oh this seemed like a nice cool thing Steve, would you roll me a 1d20, please? Sure. <laughs> One. <laughs> you know, out of all the places that I'm, go- I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, how do I want to do this? Pete's Meats has some leftover meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've dropped it off at the guild hall. I'm going to give this to you as a resource to be spent. And this is a collective resource, not just for Steve. Whoever wants to write it down or keep track of it, uh, have at it. Um, but I'm going to say, I'm just going to leave it to a mystery for right now. And, and we will backfill what this is. Because what your windfall is, is the party learns an interesting or useful fact about the world they are in. Perhaps it was told to them by a friendly traveler or found via an old ruin along the way. It might be useful in the future. Um, and so instead of telling you, what it is. If you have something now that you'd like to learn, by all means, 
But I'm also fine with just letting you guys kind of bank it for when you might want it at another time. And so, and then we can go back and say, aha, here's the fiction. I'm just imagining like we come across a weird stone or something with mm-hmm. like uh, a symbol on it. And Val just makes a rubbing of it to like research later. Yeah, mm. I think that's a great idea. I, cool. I love that. Yeah. Where it's just like, ooh, and like it is clearly was once part of a building. Ooh, yeah. You know, it was like the cornerstone of a building that had some sort of writing on it. And you don't know what it is. And you see no trace of any building or any civilization at all. And you pass this strange stone and Val's like, neat and (laughs) does a quick rubbing and moves on and is something that you can can research later i love that so that is your windfall nice so night has essentially fallen just barely but it is a very dense forest so it was starting to get dark well before you guys before the sun was even set but after a several hours of hard travel uh not as hard as as you know it could have been, but after hours of travel, of navigating the dense, dangerous forests, the tree line starts to thin, and you see in the distance the red walls, just barely, you can barely make it out because the sun, you can just see it, the red walls of Agmar. And standing outside the walls, you can just make them out, and as you approach these tiny insects come into view and you see that there are several members of the Bones and Namgar standing outside waiting for your triumphant return. But we will get to that on the next episode. We made it. You made it. Everyone's back. Everyone is safe. See you guys next week. Bye. Wow. All right. (laughs) 